Welcome to Drinking During Business Hours, where we have interesting conversations over a great bottle of wine. Drinking is optional. So sometimes my guest doesn't drink and they just watch me drink. That's fine too. I'm Sarah Halstead, your host. Support the show by subscribing, following, liking, and reviewing our episodes. Check out my website, Sarah J. Halstead, for my latest stand updates and social media links. Hey, 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 welcome back to Drinking During Business Hours. It is a beautiful day here in sunny LA, and we're in a dark studio with no windows. No, it's not dark. I mean, it's sad, but now it got weird. Now we have the lights on. Actually, I have a lot of light on. I'm really funny about my lighting. My guest looks amazing right now. I got the Aww. light right. I got the Hollywood light oh, on this Hollywood you. comic. I'm uh, today. I have Jay Washington on the show, longtime friend. Yes. he was in uh, the, uh, on drink on the show in 2017. Yeah, and so it's this is a, a part two. So then and now, and I have to say, Jay Washington is one of the best people in the industry. Thank you so bar much. none. I have never heard a person say a negative thing about Jay Washington. I mean, you the only are, thing you might hear him say is he works too much. You are so, <laughs> so giving. You Thank are you. one of the most thoughtful, generous comics, and you're very, very funny. Thank but you. it's it's rare, you know, when someone is just that giving and the way I describe you, I described you earlier today to someone when I, I said, yeah, I was just really excited mm. to interview again. And I said, Jay Washington has the ability to put his bloody heart on the stage while everyone just watches it beat. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that is what you do. You are so real. Thank you. I, so, you know, hey, welcome. Hi, hey, Jay Washington. I'm, I'm glad to be back. I mean, it's <laughs> oh, you a, want some wine? Uh, yes, I'm here. Let's do this. Let's let's do. This. I mean, if, if I, we're gonna I remember, drink, you're a red. You're a red. Yeah, I'm here bold, for it all. My thing like is a though, red bold red or uh, cab. I think and that's what I got for you. Yes, let's Walla do Walla. that. I appreciate that. My my, I gotta give you more than that. What's going on? <laughs> you know, it's just to think about, especially when people talk about being real and being honest, especially in in this business. You know, you can tell jokes and be observational all day, every day. That's easy. Yeah. You know, people do that. And those comics that do that are those that have established past people knowing who they are personally. But for me, I'm always like my life. And like I said before, my life in itself is hilarious. The situations I've been through and you wouldn't believe me unless I told you in depth. And as far as me being given giving and, and, and open and everything. It's it's just the nature of the person I am. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't do anything or give anything or say anything with any hopes of getting anything back. Yes. You are not a quid pro quo comic. Yeah, I'm never that dude. I I'm, hate that. And I, I, I tell you a, a cool thing that happened recently. Um, I have a show. I have a room. I like to have rooms, mm -hmm. you know. Um, uh, and right now I have a show, a monthly show at the Improv. And I reached out to T-Ron. Yeah, that's right. Uh, a very big, powerful producer at the Laugh Factory. Yeah. And you know, you we were actually on that bill together, if I'm not mistaken. I ended up, so what happened was I ended up being there just coming to hang out. Because I had just done the Laugh Factory in Long Beach. Mm. And so I saw you and Martin were on Martin Morrow on the show. And I was just like, all right, I got time. I don't feel like it was an early show on Thursday. I was like, all right, I don't feel like going home. So I'll just go by Hollywood. So I go there to see y'all. 
And then I remember David Arnold was supposed to be on the show and he didn't show up. And Mercy, who's one of the managers, she was like, yo, you want to go up? Because I'm already, you know, like, cool, I'm here, whatever, let's do it, I don't care. Yeah, well, hey, man, when you have Jay Washington walk into your room, you're going to put him up. Yeah, I appreciate that, I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome to drop in my show anytime. You know, I I, I watch what you do, and I I so appreciate it, because I see the, the work you put in. Oh, I work, I hustle. You know, this isn't just, this isn't just, I throw a show, I have a show at a spot, Hopefully everything else works itself no. out. Oof. The promotion, the constantly, you know, putting good talent on the show too. Yeah, I'm really funny about that. Even the cold opens, I require them be funny. You know, because I it, do deep research with the cold opens. You got to because yeah. again, I, we're we're in Los Angeles. That's an important position in a show. So cold opens, that's you know before like the the heavy hitter comics, and you need people to warm up the room before and even they, the host of the show. Exactly before the host, and it's the most difficult spot in the lineup, mm-hmm. and people don't. Don't have their drinks, they're ornery, they're getting situated, they're getting situated. they've been in a long line, maybe, you know, they're yeah. they're pissed that they're out of the chicken fingers, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah, yeah, people and it's a very difficult spot to be in and they're gonna bomb inevitably. And it's usually comics that are two years in. Yeah. Or or, or I don't I don't know if anybody that's ever had a cold open spot was like, Man, I'm finna kill this and you're like, uh, you need to be realistic yeah. with yourself in the moment because you exactly you're not in the position because you're not in the position to. <laughs> you're not you're, you're not set up a, to fail. You're set up to fail so the host doesn't fail legitimately, you know? But oh, when, when so it comes bad. to your room, though... It's paying your dues. It's paying your dues. I did it. Oh, my God. I did you know it, for, what? I never I did it knew, for two years. I never knew of cold open spots until I moved here. We didn't have those in, L- I mean, in Chicago. We don't have those. It's, yo, the first comic up is the host. Mm-hmm. And you got to be... Your host is typically just as strong as your headliner. Oh, yeah. Because the you know the host so can get weird. it. Yeah. Because, again, people are, like you said, they're getting situated, they're getting seated. Yeah. They may be ornery, whatever the case may be. So your host has to facilitate and round everybody up and focus them. Yeah. So their job is just as important. But we've also seen shows where the host is just somebody who just like, well, I'm just on stage. And you're like, Keeping you have going. a bigger job and responsibility yeah. than that. So Yeah, I know the host is imperative, and I can only count on one hand how many I really feel are good here in LA. But you know why? Because I was talking to uh, Brian Marnock. Okay. He was like, comics don't... He's a powerful Yeah, he was like, comics don't like to host. And I was always like this, why not? Because first and foremost, we're in Los Angeles, and one of the biggest things people in LA always talk about is stage time and being on the stage consistently, right? Yeah. As the host, you're up and down on that stage all night. Talk about getting stage time. You're on there all night. Now, granted, you're not supposed to do time in between every yeah. single comic. Yeah, you got to try not to. But you got to know how to facilitate it. If it dies down, bring it back up. That's right. If this, if it's a really funny comic that just got off stage, keep that energy. Move to the next. You know, make announcements. Have a little fun in between. Yeah. If you got to stretch out time, be able to do all that. That's a lot. And so to have that responsibility, it grows you into a stronger comedian anyway. Yeah. If you're strong already, all you're going to be is stronger. Absolutely. And it shows a muscle that a lot of comics who just want to go up and do a set don't have. Yes. So when people shy away from trying to be a host on stage, I'm always like, why? Yeah. I think they're afraid of it. Yeah. Like, you, you got to be. I, I think yeah, that's the only way you can describe it's daunting. it. It's daunting to be clever in between because you have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm just going to throw out Sally Mullins, for example. Mm. Uh, she has the ability to improv with whatever the comics 
uh, prior, she can take a sentence and and add to it. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's daunting. Not everyone, not every comic has that ability. Absolutely. And, you know, so it's just very, yeah, you you have to be. It's a process. It's a process. But there's only one way to get better as a host, and that's to jump in and do it. You have to host. You have to do it. You can't just say, I'm a host, and Mm. you've never hosted, and you don't understand it. But when people, when you can do it, and people are like, because I've had people ask me, they're like, hey, I don't want to be disrespectful, but do you mind hosting? No, not at all. I have no problem. I would. Oh, my God. What an honor. You would. You want me to host? You want me to host? in the world. Are you, the most gregarious comic <laughs> I know. Are you kidding? You want me to? I just got to ask. Like, I'm doing a show uh, Memorial Day weekend in San Luis Obispo. Nice. And the guy that hit me up, you know, the, the lineup is great. And he was like, hey, I want you to do my show, but I, I got a question if you don't mind. I was like, what's the question? He was like, do you mind hosting? I don't want to be disrespectful or anything. I was like, bro, I have zero problem with hosting. I have zero problem with hosting. Let's go. Let's make this happen. Because he knew that you were strong enough to do it. And he was and like, you keep for the real? energy up. Yeah, and that's the thing. You keep the energy. You know, Energy, energy, energy. When it comes and to that's something people forget about that. You know, you can't, I, I, you can't have a day. I've seen that, too. I've seen a deadpan comic like a Stephen Wright type comic <laughs> to try to be a host and that audience the only way that works is if they know that comic is exactly that person yeah and if the, again in Los Angeles typically most people just know one or two of the major names on a lineup you know so you can't give them something out of the unexpected and expect them to just fall in line with it because that's not how it works at all. So let's do a little sprucer upper let's with Jay that. Washington all right. where we we had a nice thorough beautiful interview in 2017. Mm-hmm. It received so many streams. It was one of the most listened to episodes ever and we had so many reviews and people that were not comics. Mm-hmm. I, I would say what what was your favorite episode? Jay Washington. Thank and you so much. you actually gained fans from that interview. Yeah, thank people you. in the wine world. <laughs> are, are are your fans now? Uh, thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. I much yeah. appreciate it. So, so let's do a little sprucer upper. I let's mean, do it. Because like, at the time, I was just two years in, mm-hmm. and I couldn't believe Jay Washington said yes to to being on my podcast. Stop. Really? Really? Yeah. I mean, you're, you already had... So how long have you been doing comedy It'll now? be 13 years this year. Okay. Yeah, it'd be 13 years this year. So... You had that ten-year mark. Oh, right. yeah. But everyone in. talks about that ten-year mark, man. Because it's a it's a test. You know, a lot of people. You know what? I. It's funny you bring that up, because it used to be once you hit the ten-year mark in comedy, that's when you probably found your stride. But as we've seen recently, especially due to the booming in social media, TikTok primarily. Yeah. You know, all these Instagram back in the day, people have been able to hit a stride a little bit earlier. And so you're like, okay, cool. Well, they've 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 elevated, but it's about the longevity of it. Yes. Because again, social media is a great platform to yes get fans and possibly generate an audience and all these different and things. And it takes a talent. And that it takes is, a talent. Absolutely. But it's once you get on it, once you get on, they you hit the stage, right? And then it's can you maintain what you've cultivated? And so for me, you know, when I hit ten years in, I was like, all right, I'm just getting started. Because I, you know, I was like, all right, I got the voice. I know who I am. You have your point of view. I have my point of view. I have my voice. I know who I am on stage. Now, let's continue to expound upon that and grow that and develop that. And in the top, on top of that, I grew not just Jay Washington, the comedian, but Jay Washington, the entity as a whole, the person, mm-hmm. mentally, emotionally, physically, 
you know, all the other avenues he decides to work in. Again, I'd already been doing acting, more internet stuff, more content creation, more writing. Like I've, you know, the the past two, three years have allowed me to just say, you've been saying you want to do this, then do it. I've written two full pilots working on three other ones simultaneously. Beautiful. Because I just wanted to be able to say, if anybody ever asks, did you have something available to show? Yeah, what do you need? Here. Can you, how do you write? Okay, this is something I've written. I put, I just typed up something the other day. I was at the gym and just typed up a BS screen uh, scene on my phone to describe what I'd been through the day before to lead me into the gym. And somebody was like, how? Because I just wrote, I was at the doctor's office, have a bone spur. He said I couldn't lift. I was like, for how much a while? I looked at him, cut to a montage of me going through the whole rest of my day. It, which leads to seeing I'm in a gym right now. Literally did that. But you have that ability. It's yeah. just it's just developing that. It's 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 like when you're in a gym for real. You're growing and developing that muscle. Whether it's trying to be bigger or just to train it to be trimmed and defined. You have to work at it. Yeah. And it doesn't always mean lifting weights. Some people do circuit training. Some people do yoga. Some people yeah. do Pilates. Yeah, whatever makes them feel good. Whatever makes you feel good. Yes, and, and how you build shape. that up. Right. And so that's how I, I look at everything, especially when it comes to stand-up. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I love to work out as well. And you are uh, an avid lifter. Mm-hmm. And wrestler, yes, and pro, pro wrestler, yes, pro wrestler. yeah, pro wrestler, yeah. You know, um, people here, people have the term pro wrestling, always think, oh, you in the major companies now. Indie wrestling is pro wrestling when you've been doing it yeah, for so long, and yeah. you, you know the the business and the, the little things about it. So, extracting the sportsmanship from the equation, just mm-hmm. if we look at like working out and going to the gym, I wonder. I love working out. I go to the gym almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that that's common with actors and comics. And I, I've, I think it's because, well, actors in particular, not yeah. so much comics, but it's, it's common with actors because it's the one area that's in our control. That it is. And also the problem becomes when it, with actors, because both of us are, you start looking at it because it's part of the job. Yes. Because if you have to have you a have certain look. You have to be look. ready. You have to be TV ready. Right. But for me, I decided to, because once I realized I made it work, it became less fun. Okay. It became less fun. It became this, oh, here I go again. I got to go to the gym. I got to go to the gym. I got to look good for this. Now, if you pay me, if I got a Marvel Studios, a DC contract where they're giving me multi-millions of dollars to look like a role, sure. I'll suck it up. Yeah. But <laughs> what you got to do? I need to be in Castaway. Right. Emaciated and talk to a ball named Wilson. Sit all day no just brought beer. But all I got to do is eat boiled chicken and broccoli. I'm good. I'll do it. But for me, it is actually on top of the therapy I already go to because I do see a therapist regularly, it's my other part Good. of my therapy. Yeah. Because it is fun, but it's allow- it allows me to zone out. It's, it's Cut the world health. off. It's, yeah. a, it's actually Physical good mental health. Yes. Mental health. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, that's I, I find that interesting when actors uh, are immerse themselves in the gym. And, uh, yes, it is for work, but it's also just I feel like I can control it because we have no – we are in – we have no control over the phone call, the audition, the casting director. The, the, you know, we, we have. I it's mean, it's so funny. I was just having this discussion with somebody the other day about how when you do an audition and you, you give everything in that audition, right? Because nine times out of ten, right now, there's still a lot of them are still self tapes, right? You do the self tape or whatever, but you get the call back. Yeah. So you're one step closer. Oh. 
goodness. And you do this callback, you absolutely nail it. You destroy it. You get the feedback from the cast and directors, producers, whoever are there watching you that you want. And you're like, I should pretty much have this. And then you hear nothing. Nothing. Not even not even a releasing you from a veil. Nothing. It's so rude. Just nothing. <laughs> and so you start uh, to wonder and pl- and it, it literally weighs down on you because yeah. you start beating yourself up. What did I do wrong? But right. then you have to remember it's not in your control. It's not in our control. And usually it has nothing to do with us. Let me and tell you, you I've heard people who've lost roles because the director didn't like their nose yeah. or ears. Something so mundane. If you if you get the callback, be so proud of yourself. Yep. That's almost as good as getting it. That means that you have the same uh, t- you know, tenacity as that person that. Ended up booked in it. And then you see the person who booked it, right? I mean, I like to play a game where uh, when I when I catch up on all my pilots, I like to play a game of the role I didn't get. <laughs> because I I like to go through everything that I auditioned. Oh, and man. It, it's, yeah, so I'll I, tell you a secret. It's a fun little game that I play. This is something only, <laughs> I'm going to tell you something on this podcast that only like a couple of my very, very close friends know. This is me being honest, open, and raw with you because how much Jay I love and respect you. You, you love to be raw. There are so many things I've auditioned for that are pilots and TV shows that if I don't get the role, it takes me forever to finally watch the show Ah. because I don't want to be I don't want to seem jaded while I'm watching it because I'm like, oh, this was the episode or this was the role I was supposed to have instead of just trying to enjoy the show. So honestly, when, when we got locked down. Because I had nothing but time. There was nothing to do but catch up on shows. And it was just every show I'd audition for for different roles and stuff like that. And then I see the people who got some of the roles. And in many instances, I know them personally. So I was like, I am cool with that one. Other ones, I was like, are you serious? But at the same time, I was just like, after I watched it, I was like, are you serious? And I was able to let it go. Yeah. I was able to let it go and just move forward. From there, and you so have to. there's there's no other way. Yeah, because holding that all holding that hostility and grudge and hate mm-hmm. because you didn't get a role. Look, there are big name stars who didn't get a lot of roles until they got to the point where they are. There are comedians who don't get opportunities in festivals and shows and networks and late night TV that they don't get the opportunity to. But when yeah. they finally get it, it's what that's what matters. When you finally get it, what you do when you finally get it, when your number is called, as they say, when it's your time, how do you handle it then? Now, is that what the goal is? Are you, what is the goal? Do you want to get on a show and then just headline uh, when you're not, you know, when you're on hiatus? I have a a goal that I consider that's kind of secular. I want to be the, one of the leads of a sitcom, of course, I just want to be a comedy. Okay. To use that to have me headline more. To use that to have me get more TV roles. To use yeah. that to have me headline more. To use that to have me get me more movie so roles. So really, it all co- boils down to comedy. So yeah, it all boils down to comedy. Because so once this you're what, on a show, you're they feed an into itself. Name. It keeps feeding you're into an itself. Instantaneous draw. Absolutely. Every single club is going to want you. The highest, most, pro- the highest profile, most powerful clubs in the world. Want you're you. going to be in demand. Absolutely. As soon as you get on a show, that's Absol- how it works. That's how it works. And so, you know, for me, I just want to also be ready like i said so yeah until i get that major tv role i'm gonna be on these stages putting in work yeah and until i'm having the i'm blessed with the opportunity to be that headliner that name and lights that people are making sure they come to see i'm gonna keep working my behind off non-stop and that's just how i'm gonna be 
Now, in terms of stand-up, they say, I'm going to go back to that 10-year mark again, because mm-hmm. everyone says it takes 10 years. It ta- and I'm six and a half years in now. Mm-hmm. So did you feel differently when you hit that 10-year mark? Can you, you know, affirm, yes, it takes 10 years? I mean, you're confident out there. You're I'll at, tell you you're what. At- here's why. My 10 years hit. Right before everything was about to shut down, I literally. So here's the crazy part. Here's the crazy part. We shut down March 2020. Mm -hmm. 2019 had literally. I'd hit. I didn't think about it. It had been my 10 years at that time, but I'd hit the stride. I'd started been booking everything. I was moving, doing all the stuff, and I didn't. I didn't stop to think of like, oh yeah, this is that 10 year point. This is where I should be. I just looked at it as my work was paying off yeah. because if I kept looking at the time frame, if I looked at a calendar saying by this date, by this time, I should be doing this uh, right that's, now, that's good. then I'm going to drive myself ragged and yeah. I won't be worried about putting the work and putting the work in. I'll be worried about so- solely the results. Okay. So it really wasn't like a, that of a, it wasn't a ceremonious. No, it was for me. It was moment. just, it was just knowing, like I said, knowing my, my comedic voice on stage, knowing, okay, I know I can tell stories talking like myself, being myself and just connecting with people. That's it. That's what you did that night when I saw you at Laugh Factory. Yeah, you just connect with people. Drop in and and you got up on stage and and you played with the crowd and there was a some fun couples in the front row. You just you played with them enough just to be, you don't make it up. For me personally, it's like just give me let me get you because I I always have this thing too. Being a bigger guy that works out, it can be imposing when I hit the stage. Do you think about that? Yes, I always do. Okay. So that's why I spend between my first 15 to 30 seconds to warm you up real quick to me. Okay. So all it takes is a quick you line. You have to overcome real quick like right away that you need to make them convert them and make them feel at ease. Yeah. Cause if you don't know me, you don't know what to expect. Yeah. You, you look like a big bodybuilder security, right? You have yeah. no idea what to expect. So right. let me break that out of you real fast. With a stare. <laughs> exactly. That's how you look. So let me go and ahead. The irony and is you're a teddy bear. A freaking teddy bear. If you bear. want, I'll edit that out. No, keep it, keep it <laughs> all the way. No, keep it in here. I, you know what? We, he gives great hugs. Everybody. Damn right. He does. <laughs> But it's 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 once I get that pad because again if you don't know me you don't know what to expect yeah so let me make you just break your like I'm gonna break that wall real quick and once you're like okay now you're open to what I got to say now you're open to hearing everything I'm gonna tell you now you're open to riding with me on the story of these jokes I'm gonna tell you these stories these anecdotes however you want to label it yeah. Yeah, so what, that's what you did that night. And had, did that take a while to find? Yes. It, it took, you know, it took a while because there were times, you know, everybody was like, you just got to go right into your jokes. And I understand when you have like late night TV and stuff like that, you only got a certain amount of time, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. get warm, right? That's fine. But it's also, if you're going to use that, have set little thing. I have set little jokes that are warm up crowd type jokes that are already there. It's not just me naturally doing crowd work. It seems like it is. But it's already planned. Yeah. So this way it can boom. Let's go into this one. Let's go into that one. And so it was just it was just figuring it out. And also, again, it took time. It took the process. It took working with a lot of different people on stages and who actually took the time to watch and then give me feedback and me listening and being receptive to said feedback. Yeah. Because that's another thing we all got to understand as comics. Want to listen? Egos. Look, we all we all have an ego to an extent because it's our because it's just us ourselves That's, on self on stage. That's it's it. Human nature. Or it's human nature, but it is how we receive we per, we perceive it first, and then how we receive it. Because if I feel like you're coming to me just like, 
you know what? I'd have done this whole thing completely different. You should have said this. You should have said that. Okay, how are you saying this to me? Mm-hmm. What is the tone you're bringing? How do I do I know you personally? Do I trust you enough to receive that? Am I receiving this as constructive or destructive? All those little things play a factor. Well, and I try to be sensitive. I because I'm sensitive. I don't like uh, uninvited tags. Yeah, and especially from comics that may that I don't know, and and their yes. you know because their point of view and their persona is vastly different and coming out of my mouth isn't going to be the same as absolutely theirs absolutely and that's the thing too people forget about that every comic doesn't sound the same Mm -hmm. so you can give someone a suggestion yes you can say you can even give somebody a tag and say hey word it this here's a tag i came up with maybe you can word it to fit you right right and then that's a better way i think to alleviate any of the awkwardness right right um if it's a, a headlining seasoned uh iconic uh i'm taking everything you, know, you said I'm like yeah, yeah. absolutely it's like okay well let me let me see if i can work that out exactly um but anytime i've uh done someone else's tag it doesn't come out with the same conviction and it's, i've do you write your own material? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I thought so. <laughs> it, you know and what? You're not scripted up there. I am to an extent where okay. I, again, I take the stories of stuff I've been through. And so. If that's part of your point of view. Yeah, just, I can't only talk about talk what about I've about been through. life. Right. And so while I'm talking about those things, the story itself that I tell made all actuality be way longer. But I've condensed it and trimmed the fat down to the points that. This is what it needs to hit. This hits. This is. This hit. Hits. 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 Boom. I'm out. Yeah, you know the reliable, heavy punches. And so I, you know, I tried for a while. I write. And then sometimes I was like, all right, let me see how my, I tested myself for a couple of months. Let me just write an idea. Just a, a regular idea. Let me see what my brain can populate. I will record. Of course, I record every single set. Go back and listen. Okay, I started getting feedback. This has some potential. This has legs. This can grow. Then I start to write because I write by hand. I don't like to type it out. Oh, so right. I can write it by hand. Oh, and I still feel, I don't, for me personally, it's just a feeling thing. And I'm like, all right, so this is what it sounds like. This is what it looks like. Okay, I don't need that. That's too wordy. I can take that out. Yeah. I can take that out. I, I do the same, but on my iPad. I love that you write it handwritten. There's something poetic about handwritten. I don't know. It's people that'll be like, material. yo. People are like, yo, I just I write my jokes on my computer. And I'm like, I understand the, the worry of possibly losing material with an actual physical notebook. Yeah, I, I do understand that. that. Sure. I get that 100%. But there is still something so personal about sitting there writing it. Yeah. Just writing it by I hand. I love that. I think that is really cool. Thank you. Uh, post the interview in 2017, you had a health scare. Yes. You scared the shit out of everybody. I scared the shit out of myself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You want to talk a little bit? So February 2018, I was just regular living life. I was going to work out and I was, you know, getting a little bit of the opportunities here and there. And one day on a Friday, I had to go do some shooting for Netflix for promo stuff. And I was on set, and I just had this really bad itch in my throat, and I just felt bad. And I just was taking coffee and hot liquids to try to just get it through, just to get my throat through so I can get through and do what I got to do. The night I was supposed to be at the Laugh Factory, I canceled this performance at the Laugh Factory. I was like, I'm too sick. I can't make it. Took myself to the ER. 
they told me I had pharyngitis. Okay, cool. So they were like, we're going to prescribe you some prednisone. I was like, bet. So I got that. Saturday, I didn't feel any better. I go back to the ER. They were like, oh, you have laryngitis as well. So here's a prescription for a codeine cough syrup. I was like, so y'all trying to get me drunk like a rapper in the 90s. Cool. Like I'm doing right now. (laughs) Right. Whatever. (laughs) Super Bowl Sunday. I'll never forget. I was at my house. I was at my apartment. I'm on the couch and I'm just bad. My throat is killing me. I couldn't even swallow water. It got so bad at one point. I remember it was like late at night. I think it was either Saturday or Sunday. My throat was so bad. I was like, yo, they say take a teaspoon of honey. I tried to swallow a teaspoon of honey and almost suffocated to death in my kitchen. Mm. Luckily, I was able to just force it down. But then I couldn't drink water. The next day, that Monday after the Super Bowl, I was just, I couldn't sleep at night at all. I was just coughing and spitting up phlegm consistently back and forth. So I just went back to the doc. I was like, yo, I'm going back to the emergency room again. And so my neck was already, my neck was inflamed too. And so when I walked up to the triage nurse, I was like, look, I've been there three different times, barely being able to talk. Like, I've barely been there three different times. Do not send me back. One of the nurses saw me sitting, looked at my neck, and was like, come here, and put me in a room in the back instantly and put me on oxygen. Mm. She put me on oxygen. It was like, we need the ear, nose, and throat doctor to come in and check you. The doctor came in, looked at my throat, and said, so here's what's about to happen. We're about to intubate you because your epiglottis is about to close. Mm. I was like, huh? I knew what she meant. She was like, she was trying to tell me words. I was like, no. The context. Yeah, I was like, no, yeah. I know what the words are. You know what I'm saying? But I was like, what? So they take me, you know, like within an hour, they take me to the uh, OR. And I was thinking they were going to put me under. She checked my throat again. She was like, they just started trying to put a tube in my mouth. And I was like, yo. She was like, we can't put you to sleep. She was like, your, consist- your epiglottis is so inflamed. If you go to sleep and relax, oh it will close. Yeah. So they ended up going through my nose, intubating me while I was oh. wide awake. So fast forward, I wake up at one point, found out I woke up on the table. I was on the table, on the operating table, woke up. And I didn't know what they were doing. All I heard was, oh, shit, he's waking up. And they had to hurt and put me back to sleep. I wake up later. All of a sudden, I'm strapped to a bed. My arms are strapped to a bed and I can't scream. I just feel something in my neck. I don't feel nothing in my nose and my mouth. I feel something in my neck. And I'm just trying to break myself out the bed. They Which had to you st- probably could do. I could. <laughs> That's why they had they had me strapped down like like they have like mental patients, like they have prisoners. They had to have both my arms strapped down. Yeah. Because they ended up having to give me a tra- emergency tracheotomy. Uh, yeah. So they had to give me an emergency trach, and the problem was my body went into fight or flight while I was oh, unconscious. Wow. So it was trying to pull the trach out while I was unconscious. The guards, they had to call it. So like, they, they locked me down. Oh Come to find out. Code blue, Jay Washington trying to beat the <laughs> shit out of everybody. <laughs> Look, they were nervous. They were like, Woo. yo, they said, when, a matter of fact, they said at one point, and this is a true story, while I was unconscious, it took three people to hold one arm down. I believe it. Because they could, they said, I threw somebody. Which I is, believe it. They were like, you were unconscious throwing people with one arm. And I was like, 
Sorry. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. So, <laughs> didn't know. Didn't mean it. Yeah. So after you know, after the different diagnoses and everything, that they were like, you had an acute. I've been so scared. I was I terrified. They and were like, who's there at this point? Like, who do you have here that's there? To, uh, you the know, only person I had. Family or no? I just had. Uh, I mean, I have a cousin out here, but she's doing. She has her own life. But I had. Uh, I think was. I'm trying to think. Was my boy Bobby out here at the time? And, but I had my roommate as well, and that was pretty, okay. you know. And of course, the comedy community at yeah. large who yeah. knew me, right? So I didn't, but I didn't. We, have, didn't, we didn't find out about it until about, about a couple days later. Yeah. About a couple yeah. days later, after I'd been in the hospital for a while. But so they found out. They was like, "Yo, you had a, you know, you had an abscess, a giant abscess that ruptured in your throat because they had to cut, give me a trach, and then cut into my lymph nodes in my neck and drain out pus and air out my neck." They also said, "Had I not gone to the hospital that third time." I would have died mm. because I'd have fell asleep and I'd have died in my sleep. Wow. And so, you know, all that happened. And for, at one point they were like, I remember the doctor telling me like towards the end, end of my hospital stay at first, excuse me. <clears throat> he was like, you're probably going to have to have this trach tube in for about six months. And again, I can't talk so I can write. I said, your mama going to have a tube in for six months. I need my voice. He was like, "What? I have to work." I literally said, "I have I'm to work." Not even just, not even just on jokes, selling, not on stage, yeah. selling jokes. Yeah. It was the stuff I do on the internet and all these other different yeah. things. I was like, "I need yeah. my voice." And so they were like, "Yo, do you understand? You almost died." I said, "Yeah." Do you understand? I have to work. That was literally all my brain was on. Wow. And so, of course, I thought about my kids, you know, and all this and the third. And I didn't, you know, my daughter was. This was 2018. My daughter was five, so I didn't want. I'm, I really didn't want her to see dad in the hospital. But they do live in LA. No, or, my daughter. Okay, my daughter's yeah. in Tacoma, Washington. My son's right. in Indianapolis. Okay. So I talked to my son. My son's older, so he can kind of understand. He was like, "Yo, you okay?" And I, you know, for the most, I could tell him texting wise and whatever. So then, you know, they eventually realized, okay, he didn't. I didn't need to have the trachea in six months. They, they gave me a pick line at first, which they normally give like chemotherapy patients that they thought they were going to have to keep giving me to feed me antibiotics. Turns out they put a pick line in for nothing. Oh, no. So they took that out. But then I kept telling my doctor this one thing that they didn't want to believe. And a lot of people, when I tell them this, they're like, who do you think you are, Wolverine? I was like, I heal quick. Mm. They were like, what? I was like, I'm telling you, I heal quick. So Valentine's Day. I get my trach tube taken out. I get released from the hospital. The next day, I have to go for a follow-up. Now, of course, I get out the hospital, by the way. Within five hours of me being out of the hospital, I can start talking again. All I had to do was put a Band-Aid on. Of course. And the air starts coming, and I can talk. They were like, how? Nobody can believe it. I go back to the doctor the next day for the follow-up. She was looking. She was like, the back of your hole in your throat is almost closed. I was like, I told you, I heal quick. She was like, and you can talk? I said, yeah. She couldn't believe it. So they just told me to keep up with it. And so that in itself, I'd lost from the week I was sick to the, and the week I was in the hospital, I'd lost 41 pounds. Mm. I afterwards changed my entire diet. I cut red meat out. I was going to say, I wonder if a part of healing quickly was because you were on a health regimen or you were not at that point. I wasn't as, you know, I just thought I was. I was just, uh, you know, I could just right. lift and work out and I'm good. Right. And so I wasn't as focused and dedicated and as diligent. And so um, I changed my diet. I changed my workout routine. I started thinking more cautiously, you know, and it took for a while because the PTSD I had from that, if I had even a scratch in my throat. Oh, I'm sure. 
I was freaking Paranoia. out. Yeah. And so, you know, granted, it's been four years now. I've been, you know, it, it's been a blessing. It's been made me see a lot of things differently, too. To not a pre, not take for granted the life that we have because it can be taken away quickly, and you know especially with what happened with COVID, to watch how people went through everything with that and people who just had respiratory issues and all of a sudden, be, I was on a ventilator. I know that pain of being on a ventilator. I know that pain of being on a ventilator and feeling your body healing, but them forcing you to turn it on at night so you can breathe. I'm like, I don't need this. Mm. I can breathe on my own. And so going through all that, it put a lot in perspective. I bet it did. I bet put it a lot did. in perspective. And uh, did personal question? Did no. you get vaxxed? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So you didn't I have any issues be- because of your? Nah. I. Uh, I'm. You know. My thing is this. I trust science. Number one. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people say, "Well, people still catching COVID and blah blah blah." I'm like, "Yes, they're catching variations." And we're living. And yeah. we're living with it. And also. You know, the vaccine was tailored to the original strain of SARS-CoV-2, which is why they say to get a booster because it helps to deal with all those things. I also understand that COVID-19 is an evolution of the SARS virus, which decimated China years ago. And from there, they developed a vaccination, which is like a computer program with all you need to make a vaccine for a virus is the information from the virus. Input it. That's how you get vaccines so quick. Technology evolves. So, but that's what's outstanding. But yeah, I got it because I was like, also, I want to be around. I know what it's like to be on a respirator. I never want to ventilate. Yeah. I never want to go through that again. Yeah. I know that the because we're in a pandemic, this is going to become an endemic, which means this is going to be with us, which also means for our careers, it is going to be essential to have this. Now, when we have a lot of people like, oh, why should we have to have vaccines? Then clearly you've never traveled out the country. Yeah. Because to go to certain countries, you can't even get on the plane yeah. Yeah. unless you have that. Right. And so that's why to me it was like a no-brainer. No, a no-brainer. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Um, it's interesting because I, a lot of people got COVID at the Christmas party. Mm-hmm. And you know, and let's not say the club. Yeah, that's just, I remember that. I remember you yeah. talking, you talking, he was like, hey, and I was like, oh, well, I'm good. Like, yeah, no, I got, and I, I got the cutest text from Fraser Smith, <laughs> who's a, a you know, yeah. older comic, really dapper, yes. and one of the best hosts in the nation. In the nation. If not the globe. Yes. Um, he's always my first pick. If I, Fraser's if I amazing. Him, you know, he's really in demand, but yeah, he's, he's a legend, and it was the funniest text he said, I need to let everyone know. It was like he was, in, you know, it's like the STD talk. I need to let everyone know who I had been in contact with. <laughs> and you can tell he was you know so what? uncomfortable. I've, I think everybody said <laughs> that too. Like, like Those conversations, it is literally the whole call your partner. When you find out you got COVID, it's like, hey, look, are you sitting down? Um, uh, I got to tell you something. I have something I need to tell you. Listen, I didn't want this to happen to none of us, but uh, I think you should get tested. We didn't have sex? No, I think I, I got COVID, though. You got to get tested for COVID. I like, need to let everyone know. Yeah. Who I've been in contact, contact with. with. Like, <laughs> you know, this is a sad situation. You're like, huh? What is what's going on? And so I've I've been through that. I've I've seen that, you know, but again, I've watched people consistently get sick and take this for a joke, you know, and I've even had people still go like, Oh, well if you're vaccinated, all you're gonna get is a bad cold or the flu. I don't want a bad cold or the flu. Yeah. I don't know what people think that is. Like I don't wanna be able to I don't want to have my life impeded by something I probably could have avoided. Yeah. Like, yes, COVID is a thing. COVID is a thing. We understand. It is with us. But if I can make sure that if I 
you know, protect my system to the point where if I get it, it abates all the symptoms. It's just the virus will run in and out. I'm fine with that. You know, I don't I don't get some people. So you're on the road again. Uh, for, for the most part, yes, I'm going back on the road. Um, the end of this month when we're recording, I, you know, COVID made me actually really leery of going on the road. And it wasn't sure. just to say I'm scared to live my life again as an actor performer that auditions for tv shows commercials film i didn't want to take the chance of going out to one of these states where it's easy to perform and catch covid now if i book something i can't do it yeah i was going to chicago where i'm from mm -hmm. and i would book stuff but i knew chicago was taking it a little bit more serious just be honest yeah than the southern states unfortunately yeah, they were you know i know people in atlanta who was like what's covid i was like see that's yeah, a problem exactly and that's miami. a problem and miami they're like what's covid there is no covid and you're like i'm not playing that game with y'all because yeah. if i catch it again yes i'm vaccinated yes the symptoms may be mild at best but it also hinders my revenue generation and I don't want to take that chance. Yeah. And I didn't want to be a super spreader. Yeah. I didn't want to, you know, I, I canceled the trip. I got COVID mm -hmm. over the holidays. I remember that. You were supposed to go to, like, to Mexico Yeah, before. exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I remember that. And um, I could have probably got away with going because they had no rules. And it was getting back into the country. But I couldn't, it, in good conscience, I couldn't sit but next see, to But you notice how you said and, that in good conscience? You yeah. said that. There are people I've seen for a fact that have gotten diagnosed with COVID and they just like, all right, so I got it. It is what it is. And keep on about their life. And you're like, what? Yeah. Because, again, well, at I first when this was a thing before there were vaccines, this was a if you give it to somebody, you do not know if this going to take them out or not. Yeah. Because people were dying. People at first it was like, oh, it's people who are older and overweight or have major health conditions, et cetera, et cetera. Then you started seeing the healthiest of people gone. And you're like, yeah. why would you want to take that risk? Yeah. That was uh yeah, really, and a lot of bad information. Out there, yeah, but, a lot of it. Um, so you were in some shows uh, when it, you know the last time you were on the show, and you have some exciting things happening now. You were you want to talk about? I've got the, you know it's been a lot of exciting things. It's been a lot, you know. I've done a bunch of commercials. Mm -hmm. I got to do a couple more movies. So would you say the momentum definitely sped? Um, yeah, you know it was funny because I was I like I said. When COVID hit and everything locked down, I was like everybody else. Everything was put a pause on. But for me, I took it even more personal because I was like, I just was starting to elevate. Yeah. And then I knew that whenever stuff started to open again, especially as a stand-up comic, I knew how the hierarchy was about to fall. It was arena comics were going back to theaters. Theater comics were going back to clubs. Club comics were have to have a free-for-all just to try to get on stage. Yeah. And that's what happened. Oh, it was cutthroat. It was cutthroat. So I was like, just all right. Just to get like into shitty spots. The, the most like, terrible spots. Yeah. You know, like, just yo, I'll do a five stage. minute set, whatever. Yeah. And so I knew that was going on. But then luckily I still had developed, you know, was doing my nerd stuff and then developed Blurds in the Hood with Winston and Mar Winston Marshall. We were doing that for two, Great. three years. And Great. then the... I started doing more press junkets and interviewing people for different TV shows and movies and all these different companies started asking me to do that. And then again, cause you're a gregarious, awesome host. And I love you compelling. so much for these words. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, so I had that. And then also again, the acting, the commercials, the movies, the TV shows I've still done. I've done a couple TV shows that haven't aired yet. 
Uh, I Can did. you talk about that? What, what shows? Uh, it's one coming on Showtime. I can't fully, fully divulge because I was okay. told. I was like, "Can I say something?" Because I'm sitting on a picture. I, I just want to post. I was like, "I just want to post this picture just so like people can know." Like, oh, for real. But like, I'll show it to you. Well, when we're that's done. really exciting. I'll show it to you when we're done. Thank you. But uh, like, so again, having I shot Channing Tatum's dog, the movie Dog. I shot that the day of the election in 2020. And so I've been fortunate been to know. Busy, yeah. Yeah, I've been busy. You know what? For me, I'm always. To me, if my schedule isn't like lit up like a Christmas tree, yeah, I'm not busy yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. You know, and everyone who knows me, like, bro, you need to take a break. You need to take a rest. And I'm like, okay, if I have for me again, this is a really somewhat backwards way of thinking. My bank account doesn't say I can rest. Right. I don't have a. And you have kids. You have, have responsibility. Kids. Well, my and then I have kids, but also like recently, my therapist was like, "You do realize your son is about to be nineteen. You will be. He will be okay." And I was like, "True, but still, my mindset. They never grow up, though, right? They, they never mean, grow up, yeah. and so I'm always of this, you know, mindset of I've got to work. And so I literally just went through a thing a couple weeks ago, talking to my friends and my therapist, which I've always been, a, and that's another thing. I've been a very big vocal proponent of male, men, men's mental health especially black men's mental health because we deal with so much and we just try to talk it out amongst ourselves amongst our buddies and we come into we come into conclusions that aren't for the best of us yeah we don't see things in a different light and so like my therapist was like yo you ever thought of taking a vacation i was like yes whenever i get the money to do so she was like well you you could just go check yourself into a hotel somewhere i was like the point of me being in a vacation is out of the city where i am I don't want people like yo you. Vacation. Yeah, people be like yo go go on and go to Santa Monica and take it. That either. I'm like no. I'm not going to Santa no. Monica. I'm and, still and you're here. Still gonna be checking your Instagram and you're all gonna that stuff. Be posting flyers and you're. <laughs> I go to Santa Monica. As as you're here. You're gonna work no matter what. Listen, I go to Santa Monica, California. I'm getting messages from the West Side Comedy Theater, which is not that far. <laughs> so now I'm like, oh, I should be doing Gotta this. Go get it. Do it. Yeah. So <laughs> the goal is to be able to take a vacation, hopefully soon. I was, you know what, before. Before everything was hidden, I'll be honest. Before everything happened, I got my passport officially. I was like, "Yo, I'm gonna take a vacation." Because I had just done, matter of fact, the Super Bowl 2020. I had done a commercial for Facebook for the Super Bowl, oh, excellent. and so I had gotten a nice little sizable check from that. And I was like, "I will finally be able to take myself a vacation." Good. I said, "I'm going out of the country." I got my passport. I was ready to go. And then the world was like, guess what you're not about to do? And I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So did you have a period of time, though? I mean, we all did. The quarantine, we we were forced to stay in. Did you ever enjoy that time? No, I worked the whole time. Oh, okay. I did, too. I Um, literally worked the whole time. Shout out to America's Funniest Home Videos and Vendabona Productions. I did so many voiceover things for them. Again, working okay, on... Okay, so you stayed busy. I stayed was, busy. That was the only thing I knew how to do. Okay. It was the only thing I knew how to do. I know a lot of people say they reevaluated some stuff, and I, I just went into my, my, you know, my survival mode. I went into my my fight or flight for just like, all right, cool, I got to work, I got to make stuff happen. Yeah, the government was giving everybody this unemployment money, but for me, I was like, I just can't rely on that. Yeah. I can't just, every day I was doing Focus T25 with a group of people, and then after I stopped doing that, I was doing yoga in my house. I still have my yoga mat. I, I was so, because I couldn't hit the gym. What kind of yoga do you do? Uh, it was yoga with Adrian. She's on YouTube. All shout right. shout okay. out to Adrian if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> and so I was able to do that, and I still have my yoga mat, and so I just kept, kept active that way, and then I painted a lot 
You painted a lot. I, I do because again I draw so that I wanted to try something new. Wow, so drawing, I just so went to cool. painting, and so I started painting a lot of stuff. People bought all the paint. I was thanks so glad. People bought. I painted at one point. I had like eighteen different pictures. I just painted because I would draw something up. Because again, had nothing but time. Sketch it, paint it, be done, post it. What, what kind of paint? Like what kind of cartoon artwork? characters okay. and and comic book stuff? And yeah, I'll show you some some yeah. things on my no, phone. I, I've seen it on your on yeah. Your and so I would I do all that. It, it was like a. You know, an art exhibition. It was. You know, it wasn't even. Ex- it was just me just doing. No, it wasn't even an exhibition. It was just literally me doing something, and then once I was done with it, I was like, "All right, next," and then next, and that was literally everything how, I. How can- much do, do they go for? Some people bought some for like, because I, I wasn't trying to sell them for stupid amounts. I sold some for two fifty, some for three hundred, some for one seventy five. I sold them for different amounts. And I just kept. That is so cool. Yeah, I just kept doing that, and then that was what. Uh, that's what kept me busy. I'm gonna see. This is one of them that I did. This is a Thanos I done. That is gorgeous. Thank you. I painted that. Uh, yeah, so I did so much where I was just like, all right, let me just keep this. Kept me busy. Yeah, it, it just would. kept me busy. So these and, are in creative mode. So these were a bunch that I and had left over. Yes, I had a bunch of left over that were on my bed. Just a bunch of paintings I did. Beautiful. Just to, thank you. You're very a, very good. And so it was just so a bunch are, of stuff I they, had. Like, can you buy it from your website? Do you have no? So what happened? Like I said, all of them that I had uh, when I was trying to move. One of the biggest things was buy these so I don't have to move them. Take them with me when I move. And people bought them. And so I got rid of a lot. I got rid of ninety eight percent. I have like two left in my apartment. That's it. But I'm gonna start painting again. Uh, this was another one I did. My daughter has started watching Rugrats, and I just decided to do that this. Is excellent. So I did that. I did this Spider Man. Listeners, you have to check out Jay Washington. I'm gonna post paintings. them. I'll, po- I'll post up some of the old ones. But this so I did. Amazing, you know, uh, Jim Carrey paints. Yes, he does. And I, I, I that's very interesting. I would, I would. It's you know, very like, therapeutic as well. Yeah. And so I just started doing that, and it was just real cool to do that. And so again, voiceover work. The nerd world kind of slowed down because there was nothing happening. There were no TV shows, no movies, no news, anything about that. So uh, my friend Winston Marshall and I, we decided to make the show Blurs in the Hood. And we were like, we're just going to do We just literally started. We started it just pre-recording it. We would just talk about pop culture stuff. And then we did like three episodes. And was like, yo, let's see what happens if we go live. And so we started going live. And then we started being able to develop a fan base. Mm-hmm. And from there, the George Floyd situation happened. Yeah. And when the George Floyd situation happened, instead of, we, t- I remember us both saying, we're going to take our show and not do the regular format of pop culture news, stuff and like that. We're going to be serious and hold a town hall meeting. And we're going to openly talk about all the experiences black men and women deal with when it comes to res- racism, issues with the police, et cetera, et cetera. And that day, well, you know, people would do donations to the show and whatever. We were like, the donations that come in, we're going to give them to a cause. And we actually funded a go. We, we filled up and funded a GoFundMe for an aspiring coffee shop in Inglewood, California. They didn't know either one of us. Beautiful. They didn't know what it was. All of a sudden, their GoFundMe was funded. They were like, oh, my God, what happened? How did this happen? We just decided to do something charitable with it. And so that had built up. That's been built up for like three years now. And so, you know, again, just staying busy. And staying. being a good person and giving back. I just don't, I don't know how to, and I don't know, I could be an evil, I could be an asshole if I wanted to be. I could be evil if I wanted to be. I could be just vindictive and hateful, but that takes up too much time. 
It takes up too much energy. Yeah. I don't have any. You know what? The only person I hate is the person I was the day before because he didn't live up to the potential he can now. It's the only person. You know, I have this new thing. I say life is long, you know, especially uh, just be, you have to life is long. Like mm-hmm. we, we're, we're, we're going to be here for a while. So we have it's really important that the energy that we spend is with people that we enjoy. Yes. It, like I, you know, everyone's like life is short. No, life is life is pretty long. You know, like let's let's make sure like if, if I, I'm spending time with anybody, I, I want them to. I, I, I want them to be able to feed my brain. Yes. Uh, as selfish Anybody as that may sound, but I do no, it's not it's not a, selfish. A stimuli. Because you want to, you're giving of yourself when yeah. it's your time, your energy, your persona, your persona, your body. You want that person you spend time with, and no matter whatever the capacity it is, to refill your cup. Yeah. So I, mean, I don't want to just be with anybody that I'm always giving, giving, giving. And every time I'm around them, I'm just drained and tired and exhausted. And there's nothing. I have nothing left know. to give anything else. I don't want that. I don't want it. I don't need that. But I find, uh, and it may be a Midwestern thing because you just, you work so hard. You, your work ethic is uh, unparalleled to <laughs> many, many other comics in this town. I know a lot of people who, who, I know a lot of people that are like, how do you, how do you do you know, a lot of people's idea of working is, well, you know what? You can't force anything to happen, so you just got to wait and see what it does. I'm like, nah, I don't have to wait anything. If I can't, if what I want to happen can't happen, let me create another opportunity that will eventually direct itself and reroute itself to where I wanted it to be initially. Yeah, yeah. You're you're the director of your show. Yes. And, and you work extraordinarily hard. Thank you so much. And you're a giver. You're such a giver. So w- was there ever a point where... You said, "Oh, because you today you really are exuding balance." I'm not I'm not to not to suggest that mm-hmm. you weren't balanced before, mm-hmm. but it's just something that I'm particularly feeling from you right now. Well, a because you just balanced person. Because you have to under. I had to understand in life if I allow myself to sway too far one way or the other, it's not going to be good either or. Because if you're always giving of yourself, like I said, if you're always giving of yourself, you don't have anything for yourself. But if you're always taking on from everybody else, then it bogs you down. Yeah. I dealt with, even throughout my health situation and beforehand, I dealt with the worst roommate I've ever had in my life. But I only stayed at that situation that place three years because it was cheap. And we're in Los Angeles. Yeah. I put myself up with that. I moved. I've been a year into my new place by myself for the first time in Los Angeles, which for a lot of people, they're like, what? You got a place? Back? That, that's a weird thing. Yes, it is. Because L.A. is very expensive. But to have that, I allow myself to have this clarity. You know, my first couple of months in my apartment, I didn't believe it. I was scared that somebody was going to come knock on my door and say, you got to go. Because I wasn't used to it. Mm. But now I found a balance and a harmony of, yes, I have to work, but I'm trying to find time for myself. The time for myself, it doesn't always have to be just uh, going to the gym. It can be sometimes me sitting on my balcony on my apartment having my phone and just playing the game on my phone. You, look, you were doing that in the green room. You were playing games on your phone. Because I'm going to tell you really something. People, people always ask me about that. Why am I doing that? It's meditative. It's meditative. I got that right away from you. It's very meditative. You, it allows me to focus. Yes, it allows me to focus. And you you actually chilled me out. Yeah, because people are like, wait, why are you doing it? I'm like, because I don't have to stress out about anything. Mm-hmm. I don't at this moment because now I'm just watching. I'm looking at a game where I'm trying to break these little blocks and just beat this level. That's it. Wait, but you're about to go perform. I'm just trying to break these blocks 
and beat this level. Aren't you worried about what you're going to say on stage? I'm just trying to break these blocks and beat this level. Because if I if I go on stage just so worried, well, this may be a major opportunity. You may not know who's in the crowd. I just need to break these blocks and beat this level. Because if I know who's... You tell me somebody's in the crowd probably watching, right? Guess what happens? My whole focus is, oh, shit, I got to be great. They got to be there. They yeah, got to be there. I'll yeah. tell you a quick story. Samantha Hale, one of my great friends. Yeah, she's wonderful. Samantha had her show. She had her show Horror Nerd a couple months ago, and I was on it. Now, uh, for those who don't know, you have to get passed at these comedy clubs to become a regular to do regular work. And I've been trying to get repassed at the improv because I was initially, but then I got bumped out the system because the booker had to repass everybody she wasn't fully familiar with. Exactly. So big shake up recently. Right. So Rita saw me a couple times at the regular over mic. She was like, she was like, she was like, Jay, I don't see you a lot. I was like, Rita, you've seen me like three, four times. What do you need? Fine, whatever. Let me not stress on it. Sam's Horror Nerd Show. I'm up later in the lineup, and I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to do what I do. So I just go up, again, have some horror-themed jokes. I just say some stuff off the top of my head. It's natural. My couple sets, my couple of my jokes, and my time was up. I get off stage. People laugh, and everybody's enjoying. Cool. Get off stage. Samantha Hale and Sarah Taylor, two great people, were like, yo, that's a great set. But Rita was in the back crying laughing good i said oh okay she just kind of roams around she just roams around you never know know. yeah so i'm like all right let me just go casually walk back here past it just to walk past and she was i walked past she was laughing she was like oh my god she was like yo do i have your information i was like no so she gave me her phone i put my number and everything in it she was like do you get our emails for avails i was like i used to she was like email me email my assistant i'm gonna make sure you get back on beautiful but again before that whole time, before I go up on the set, what am I doing in the back? I'm just playing this game on my phone, trying to break this, trying to get past this level. What is that game? Uh, Tune Blast. Okay, Tune Blast. I'm just playing this game on my phone, and that's all. I, because again, you tell me, you tell me the booker of the club is watching. You would, you would have. I could have stumbled and not said right. something right or whatever. Right. But if you just let me just, if I just go and clear my mind, there's another little trick I do every now and then, and people think it's the weirdest thing I do. When I get ready to go up, I'm like, all right, let me go up here and bomb real quick. They're like, what? It's like, you're not for the bomb. I said, let me go up here and bomb real I quick. I think you said that to me. I told that to you before. Yeah. And you, because at the show at the Laugh Factory, yeah. I said, let me go up here and bomb real quick. And you were like, wait, what? Because if I think I'm a bomb, guess what that does? It takes all the pressure away. You destroyed that night. I take my pressure away. You owned it. Because it's, it's like the worst yeah. fear a comic has is bombing. Mm-hmm. That's our worst fear. We're going to bomb. Yeah. Nobody's going to laugh. Yeah. So if I'm like, all right, I'm going to go up here and be bad anyway. There's nothing to lose. I love it. I have nothing That's to lose. That's a really it. smart strategy. I have nothing to lose at that moment. I, if I go up here and think I'm going to be terrible, but I'm going to give it, I'm going to be terrible. They ain't going to like it, but I'm going to still give my all. There's nothing for me to lose. Yeah. Because you if won. I go up there thinking I'm going to go up here and kill and then I bomb, guess how I'm going to feel when I come off the stage? Terrible. I'm going to leave out this club and don't talk to anybody. Yeah. I'm going to be in my head and my feelings for so long. Yeah. But if I say, let me go up here and bomb real quick. And just, you know what I'm saying? Just the people look like, what? I'm going to go up here and bomb real quick. And then just have fun. I love it. For, for me, it's like when I get in the car and if, I, if I'm if i not listening to the radio, I know I, I'm not happy with my set. <laughs> I, you if know I turn what? the radio on, you it's turn. like, okay, I'm Man, good. I can that comic, relax. <laughs> that comic's drive with nothing but the wind, oh, nothing but the, the windows rolled up, ain't no air on, you I'm just not, drive yeah, it. Just, <laughs> so, just so focused. Why did I forget that segue and yeah. the bit? And the, How did I forget that <laughs> word? I should have said this and there, but again, I, I try again. I try to take the unnecessary pressure off myself. I've stressed myself out too much in life. 
stressing yourself will age you in the face. Yeah. It will it will it makes you ugly. It makes you ugly. It will make you, you it, it will make will, you sick. It will make that energy make you sick. It'll make that energy it'll you'll exude that your aura will say all the stress and everything. Like people will see me and they'll be like, yo, do you ever get any sleep? And I'm like, what's that word? I don't know. They're like, you look exhausted. I said, yeah, I'm going to look exhausted until I go on the stage and do what I got to do. And then you couldn't tell. I think you look great, by Thank the you. way. Thank you, you. You exude health. Thank you. And Thank I enjoy you. the videos on your socials when you're at the gym and Thank you. working out. It's really inspiring. You inspire others to be healhealthy. And today, uh, thank you for plugging men's uh, mental health. Yes. Uh, very, very uh, mental health in general. It, it's, just, it's so vastly important, and we don't really talk about that. So thank you. Uh, no worries. You um, know, we just seen what the past, again, what the past three years have done. When you sit, yeah. when you have people who've had to stay at home isolated, not even people who were with partners, they found out that wasn't going to work out. People who yeah. were by themselves, there was nothing else. Mm-hmm. The suicide rate went up through the roof because of this. People don't talk about the struggles. Very you know, we think mental, people. a lot of people still think mental health means somebody yelling in the streets, somebody running and screaming. A crazy person. A crazy person. Yeah. Or somebody is just sad and cries all day. Mental health is a giant spectrum, and a lot of us are affected by a lot of different things. And because of the perception from other people, not from ourselves, from other people, we don't want to go and, you know, explore it. Well, you're my hero. Uh, like I said, uh, Jay Washington puts his heart out on the stage. Right now, he put it out on the table. Yeah. His bloody heart. And Jay, I'm just watching it bleed. He, he lets you Take in. It. He lets you in. And that is why you're such an extraordinary entertainer. And Thank people so are much. just really compelled to watch you. Thank you. Uh, what do you have coming up? Anything you want to plug? Uh, what? The, okay, so coming up, who? Uh, when does this drop? Uh, this drops next Monday. Next Monday, perfect. Uh, so May 20th through the 22nd, I will be in Birmingham, Alabama at the Stardome Comedy Club. I will be opening for the legendary Michael Collier. He's given me the opportunity to open for him, and I'm honored for that, so I'll be there. Um, a bunch of other just random stand-up shows. As of now, June 18th, I will plug this. June 18th, a live Blurge in the Hood taping at the Bourbon Room in Los Angeles, uh, 6356 Hollywood Boulevard. We're going to do a comedy show beforehand, a little small comedy show, and then we're doing a live taping of Blurge in the Hood. So if you've ever seen this show on YouTube or Twitch, which is YouTube.com and Twitch.tv slash Blurge in the Hood, we're going to have a lot of fun with that. You can get your tickets at shptickets.com, shptickets.com for that. Uh, I would say for me personally, find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Mr. J Washington. M R J A Y. You should really know how to spell Washington. I, swear <laughs> to you. Um, like I post. I suppose I post all my flyers, all my uh, shows, everything. Uh, I need to re. I have my website. I still just got to update it. But also that's that. And if you want to hear stuff, me talking nerd stuff about Marvel and DC, the Mad Titan podcast. Everywhere you get your podcast from, I get you caught up on all the things happening in the Marvel and DC live action cinematic universes. It is barbershop talk for nerd so come on in the combo it's so much fun i highly recommend you all listen uh i will have all that information in the uh 
transcriptor of the show. And I have a show at the Hollywood Improv Monthly called Bottle Shock. The next show is May 15th, and feel free to drop in Jay Washington. I will come back. Be, oh, if definitely. you're in town. This I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here to 15, yes. Would, would love, would be honored if you wanted to drop in. Yeah, I'll drop in. Yeah, okay, cool. Oh, matter of fact, I gotta, I'm wrestling on the 14th. Oh, uh, well, if you <laughs> have, if you're if you're not too sore. No, I'm, I'm wrestling. <laughs> trust me, that'll mean come nothing. Come by. We'd love to have you. All right. I'll thanks very much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Until the next time.